Well, good morning, Sailorville Church. Whether you're here in the building or you're experiencing this online, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. So glad that you are here. My name is Jason Jackson. I'm part of our team of elders here at Sailorville. And I, uh, my goodness, I just love being here and I love encountered a real privilege and uh, honor and responsibility to be able to be here sharing God's word with you this morning. So we're digging in right away this morning, so uh, buckle your seatbelts and uh, hold on tight. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, finishing up this passage and this letter, this epistle from Paul to his friends. And so in your copy of scriptures, follow along with me as I read, or you'll see it there on the screen behind us. Verse 23 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your word this morning with others. Not just here at Sailorville Church, churches in our engaged network, other churches in the Des Moines metro preaching the gospel, proclaiming your word this morning, and other churches all around the world that are doing this At this very moment, thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to be a part of this, part of something much bigger than ourselves, and yet what's happening here this morning is so very important as well. I pray that we would not leave unchanged, not just be informed this morning, but be transformed by your word, your Holy Spirit, and our conversations with others this morning. In your name, amen. So today we're wrapping up this uh, first epistle, really a letter written by the Apostle Paul to his friends in a town called Thessalonica. It's around 20 years after Jesus has been crucified and then ascended back into heaven. And this morning we're digging into a prayer that Paul has for his friends there in Thessalonica. And we're talking about the journey that every Christ follower is on from the moment that he or she personally accepts the gospel. So that journey from spiritual birth until physical death, that journey is what we're living in right now. Those of us who are Christians have accepted Christ as our personal Savior. It's that in-between. It's the road trip, right? You know road trips. It's the road trip between the, the driveway and the destination. And like every road trip, becoming more like Jesus is a journey where memories are made and struggles are overcome and relationships are strengthened. I love a good road trip. There's joy in the journey because life isn't just about point A and point B. It's about the line that is drawn between those two places. For me, That line between my salvation, we'll see it here on the screen, my salvation and when I get to heaven, I would love for that line to be straight and gradually going up and to the right. Wouldn't that be a fantastic spiritual journey? But none of our journeys look like that. I like this. I like things that are in order. I'm the guy that puts the screws on the outlet next to a level and makes sure that they're in line, right? 
I love stuff that looks like this, but it's just not like that. In fact, it looks a little bit more like this. Maybe a five-year-old playing with a yo-yo riding an escalator in the middle of an earthquake, right? That's probably more a picture of our spiritual journeys, our storyline. So for the Christ follower, that storyline, the journey of becoming more and more like Jesus, which involves the day in and the day out choices that we make to obey or not to obey our master, that's called sanctification. That's a big theological word, and we're going to dig into it here this morning together. Sanctification. Okay, so essentially, the idea of sanctification is that someone or something is being set apart as unique or special or for a very specific purpose. So there's a one-time designation, a kind of this thing is special sort of sanctification. One time, we call it special. It's set apart. So for the Christian, this happens at salvation. It's that bottom left-hand corner where the cross is. That's salvation. We call that positional sanctification because accepting the gospel in our own personal lives puts us into a position of being one of God's children. It's positional sanctification. And then there's a sanctification that happens when we go to heaven on the, up on the top right where the cloud was, right? That's called perfect sanctification. Why perfect? Because there's no more sin. There's no more pain. There's no more hurt. There's no more tears. We'll have perfect bodies and we'll live with Jesus in perfect eternity. So we've got positional sanctification at salvation. And then we've got perfect sanctification when we are glorified into heaven. Stay with me here. This word sanctification also refers to, though, the process whereby someone or something becomes more and more set apart. So we actually had a great illustration of this already this morning when we celebrated the dedication of parents and children. Oh my goodness, I just love seeing that. There's always a baby that's cooing and awing and screaming, and there's always a dad that doesn't know how old his kid is, and you know, there's, there's always a mom that's like elbowing, that, you know, there's, that always happens. I love it, I love it. It's just such a picture of the family, right? Well, we do this little ceremony on this Sunday every year because, like Pastor Jared said, the Sunday is called on our calendars the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And so what we're declaring this morning is this. Every human life bears the image of God, and so it is special, it's unique, and in a sense, it is sanctified, right? There's our word. It's a once and for all declaration. We believe in the sanctity of every single human life, right? That's right. But... It's also a journey, isn't it? And so that's why we ask parents, and really all of us, our church family, to commit to living godly lives in front of and next to those children. Because sanctification isn't just a one-time declaration. It's also a process. And our prayer is that these children will become more and more set apart from sin in the world and set apart to Jesus. More and more set apart from sin and more and more set apart to Jesus. We want them to be sanctified, right? So it's not just a ritual. It's not just a human idea. It's not just something on our human calendar that we came up with. It's actually a command that we're given by Christ himself when he quotes the Old Testament in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Look at it with me. But as he who called you is holy, he calls us to be holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct, in everything you do, the way you live your life, be holy. Since it is written, and here's the Old Testament quote, you shall be holy, for I am holy, Jesus says. 
And that's what we're digging into this morning. The call to be holy, to be sanctified, to be more like Jesus. We sometimes call that journey progressive sanctification. So positional sanctification at salvation, perfect sanctification at heaven, and then that messy middle that we're living in right now is called progressive sanctification. So Last week, Pastor Pat walked us through 13 different uh, commands that every follower of, D- of Jesus should obey, right? You were here. If you're like me, you, uh, you, you listened as he was preaching through those and were like, yep, that hurts. Yep, I struggle with that one. Yep, I need that one in my life. And I walked away sore because I got whacked on my head for pretty much all of them, right? I know I'm in good company here. But here's the good news. Those 13 commands that seem really hard to obey all the time and all the other characteristics and commands of Jesus that we're told to imitate throughout the rest of the Bible, you're not in it alone. You're not in it alone. You don't have to walk this journey alone. Now, maybe it feels like in your life you're a little bit like this guy, all alone. (laughs) Now, I don't know of anybody that had a lonelier week than this guy. Even in the coffee cove, this poor guy is all alone. Even at church, right? (laughs) Like no matter what you do or how hard you try or how much work you've put into it, it's just not good enough. And nobody understands and you're at someone else's party all the time and you're all alone and you're grumpy and you're wearing homemade mittens and all the rest of it. (laughs) But we feel like this sometimes, don't we? You're looking around and... You don't see anybody else that seems to be struggling with the same thing that you're struggling with. Maybe you feel like you're the only one, like we heard last week, that has a hard time submitting to authority. Maybe your marriage is in a tough place right now. But everybody else around you just looks so happy. Or maybe you're drowning in a sea of bad financial decisions. Or maybe you got hit really hard with a medical diagnosis, or maybe your kids are walking away from Jesus and you feel all alone. Listen, you're not on this this journey alone. Last time, I promise. You're not on this journey alone. At least you don't have to be, right? Actually, I'll prove it. Our passage today says that we're not. Look again at verse 23 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sometimes we just need to take a deep breath after we read a passage of scripture, right? Even just a phrase. And just let that sink in. You see that word sanctify? That's our word this morning. That's that journey of becoming more like Jesus. That's the word that Paul is using here to refer to that squiggly line, right? All the stuff that happens in the life of a Christian between salvation and when we get to heaven. Some of your Bibles may translate that make holy. That's the same idea. It's a good phrase. The point here is that the Christian life assumes movement. The Christian life assumes movement, that there's growing involved. That's why the word more in the second half of our vision statement is really key. More people say it together, more like Jesus, right? We're acknowledging, and actually we're more than acknowledging, we're relying on the fact that people can change, that we do grow, that we should mature, that we are progressing towards Christ's likeness, and that we should be more and more sanctified or holy the longer we're on this journey, right? 
And that's why Paul reminds us in this little verse to keep the right perspective. You saw it. May the God of peace himself sanctify you. It's as if God is saying, hey, this, this whole spiritual growth, this whole pursuit of holiness thing, I'm with you. In fact, according to this verse, God isn't just with us. He is, in fact, the very source of our sanctification. The source of our sanctification is none other than God himself. He's the one who promises to bring that growth. God himself is the one who makes us more like Jesus. And by the way, what does he call himself in this passage? It's a great name, the God of peace. Oh, I just love that. You're familiar with the word peace. It's really shalom. It's more than just the absence of conflict or war or tension. It's this really beautiful word picture that, that, that gives us this illustration of completeness, of wholeness, of rest. And so the name of God here reminds us that he's the source of true peace. He's the fountain of completeness. He's the living water of rest. Just stop and think about that. In a world that seems to be less and less peaceful and more and more chaotic every single day, personally, nationally, globally, God is the giver of rest. And actually, he's more than just the giver of rest. He himself is rest. The God of peace. So... Are you at peace? Are you truly rested? I don't just mean, did you get a good night's sleep last night, right? Not that kind of rest. I'm talking about that soul-level wholeness that comes from finding your completeness in God himself. I love that phrase, soul-level wholeness. Do you have that this morning? If it's not you, if you don't have that, you're probably in one of these two categories. See if you catch yourself in one of these. Number one, you haven't found the source yet. Maybe you haven't found the source of peace yet. Maybe you've never actually met Jesus. Maybe the reason you're not finding true shalom is that you haven't yet discovered the living water, the source of peace and rest in the person of Jesus. If that's you, friend, don't leave this morning. Don't walk out of this building today without asking someone for a drink. Don't leave without... Drinking from that living water, that's Jesus Christ through the power of the gospel. Or maybe you just need to ask yourself, who or what do I look to for peace? Who or what do I look to for peace? Write that down. Think about that this week. Maybe you're in this category, the second one. Maybe you're listening to this today and you say, I know Jesus, and I've accepted him as my personal Savior. I believe the gospel, but I don't feel at peace then I might just ask you, how often are you returning to the source? How often are you returning to the source? How thirsty are you really for the God of peace? I think the great irony in some of your frantic lives is that you're too busy to drink from the very source of your deepest rest. Too busy to drink from the very source of that soul-level wholeness. And so here's a question. How often do I return to the source? How often do I return to the source? And friend, if it's just Sunday morning in a context like this, that's not enough. If you're just drinking 
if you're just eating spiritually once or even a couple times a week, that's not enough. You're starving yourself. The Holy Spirit here calls God the God of peace to remind us that there's peace in finding our identity in Him and not in what we do for Him. It's a reminder that holiness isn't just a one-time benchmark that we reach by doing a bunch of good works, but that it's a lifelong movement toward Jesus that's fueled by God Himself. By the way, that movement towards Jesus, that is worth celebrating. Your cell group should throw a party when one of your members takes even the smallest steps of growth. When someone shares Christ at work for the first time, oh my goodness, that's a party. When someone starts reading their Bible with their family, that's a celebration. When someone says no to a specific sin in their life or prays out loud in front of the group, my goodness, you should be going nuts because that's growth. Because it's movement, it's progress, it's sanctification, it's someone becoming more like Jesus right there before your very eyes, and that's what we're all about. And when it comes to obedience, that kind of obedience, even little steps, are big deals around here, so celebrate those. So God is the source of sanctification. He's the fuel that moves us toward becoming more like Jesus. We can't do it, and really we shouldn't do it on our own. And when we keep going back to God as the source of true peace, that's when we stop finding our identity in what we do and begin to realize that our identity is in who we are, a child of the God of peace. So are you at peace? Are you at peace? And how often are you returning to the source of your holiness? Paul reminds us, of the source of sanctification in the first part of this passage. And then he moves on to tell us about the scope of our sanctification. The scope of our sanctification. In other words, when God calls us to be holy, how much of us is he really talking about? How much of of me does God really want? Look at verse 23 again. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How much of us does God want to be set apart as holy? Well, he makes it pretty clear in this passage. He uses 100% words, which we're never supposed to use, but God can. He says, completely whole and blameless. So what's the scope of our sanctification? It's all of me. How much of me does God want? Every pulse of my being, as Pastor Pat encouraged our parents this morning. All of me, every part of me. Now, in most of our English Bibles, this verse makes it look like there are three major parts to every person, right? It's listed as the spirit, the soul, and the body. And other places in the New Testament talk about two parts, the soul and the spirit. And other parts talk about four parts, the, uh, the strength, uh, the heart, the soul, the mind. So what is it? How many parts are we made up of? Well, this is a debate that rages among theologians and like Bible college students that are staying up way too late at night talking about this. Now, I'm going to solve it for everybody here this morning. Here's the answer. That's not the point. That's not the point. Paul isn't trying to dissect what makes us human here. He's, he's really trying to make a much more important point about the scope of sanctification. And here's his point. Holiness involves all of me. Or to put it in another way, becoming more like Jesus means going all in. It means going all in. If you never sit in the front row 
during one of these services, oh my goodness, get here early next week and, and stake your claim in the front row. It's amazing to watch, especially our drummers. These dudes are all in. They're breaking sticks. It's like a health hazard to be in that drum cage back there. This guy this morning, my man Ian, he is going crazy on the drums. He's all in on this stuff. Listen, if I lived like Jesus the way he drums, wow. That's what I want to be all about. That's extreme. And we don't like talking about extremes or thinking about extremes in our own lives, so let's talk about this in a way that we can get a hold of. My wife Meredith and I are celebrating our 20-year anniversary this summer. Oh, my goodness. I've fooled her for 20 years, folks. <laughs> yes, clap for her. Clap for her. We got married on June 9th in 2001 on Lake Ontario in upstate New York. It was incredible. We were totally in love, and I was all in. But I'm even more all-in now. How does that work? Because my all-in has actually increased. <laughs> my capacity to love has gotten greater. My admiration for her has grown deeper. Did I love her on our wedding day? You bet I did, with everything I had. But somehow God keeps giving me new and different reasons to love her, more than I ever knew existed 20 years ago. Was it love then? Yes, it was. Is it more love now? Somehow it is. I think there's a country song in there somewhere. <laughs> but catch this, okay? That's how it works, in a sense, with holiness. If you're a Christ follower, there was a time when you gave your whole self to Jesus as you confessed your sin, as you put your faith in his death and resurrection and committed your life to following him. But as you grow, you discover new and different reasons to love Jesus. You always loved him. You just grow more and more in love with him over time. Isn't that amazing? But maybe that doesn't describe your relationship with Christ this morning. Maybe, maybe you're here and you would describe yourself this way. You became a Christian a couple months ago. There are several in this room. Maybe even a couple years ago, or maybe, like some of you, a long, long, long time ago. And things have just gotten, quite frankly, a little bit old. You come to church, unless you don't. You read your Bible, but it's lost that excitement. And maybe you're in a cell group, but it just doesn't feel like it did back when the group first got together. And so you kind of made up your mind that this is just the way it's going to be. You're comfortable. And it's not that you don't love Jesus, it's just that your love for Jesus has stopped growing. You're stuck. You're stuck. Have you stopped growing? Let me suggest two reasons why you may be there this morning. Number one, you've forgotten the urgency of living in light of the return of Jesus. Maybe you're stuck because you've forgotten that Jesus is coming back. That's the point of this letter to the Thessalonians, isn't it? It's the title of our sermon series. When the imminent, that means it could happen any time now, return of Christ is on your mind all the time, then it changes your affections and your attitudes and your actions. Listen, your teenagers understand this kind of urgency. When you walk out of the house to run some errands and you tell them, by the time I come back, I want the dishes done, your clothes put away, and the homework completed, right? They live in light of your return. Maybe only the last few minutes before your return, but they understand urgency. 
Sometimes we've lost sight of the urgency of every day. Listen, Jesus hasn't come back yet, and God hasn't taken us to heaven yet because there's still work to be done, still love to be shown, and still grace to be given out. But every day we live, we get closer to the day when Christ will come back with the sound of the trumpet to gather up all his children, and it could be today. Oh my goodness, I couldn't wait. You've got to ask yourself, have I forgotten the urgency of living in light of his return? Maybe you're stuck because you've forgotten the urgency of what we're supposed to be doing here. The second reason, maybe, and I think all of us live here, is that we haven't really, truly ever given everything over to Jesus. We've never really gone all in. Maybe we accepted Christ as our Savior and we escaped an eternity in hell and then we kept some of those chips back for ourselves. Like Jesus, I'm giving my life to you, we say, and then we hold back parts of our lives that we don't want to give up. We raise our hands and our voices singing, great are you, Lord, and is he worthy, and then we live as if he really isn't. And so here's a question, is there something or someone in my life that I'm holding back from God? Is there something or someone in my life that I'm holding back from God? And if you can answer that question honestly, and maybe with someone else who knows you and loves you, and you keep coming up with the same answers over and over throughout your life, it might be that Jesus doesn't truly have your all. That maybe you become comfortable with a sort of cultural Christianity that gives God just enough, but holds back what you really care about. God wants every part of you. He wants you to be completely, absolutely, 100% blameless and sold out. So how much of you does God really have? And what is keeping you from giving him everything? Now this is really hard. And actually it's impossible to do in our own strength. And that's why these next few verses are so critical. Because this is where God tells us. This is where he proves to us that we're not alone. This is where he reminds us that in this great call to holiness, he's given us everything we need to thrive. There's hope and there's help. And this is where it starts. Look at verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. There it is. This call to holiness The journey of sanctification, becoming more like Jesus, it's only possible because God is faithful. Christian, what God started at your salvation, he will continue through your life and will complete when he takes you to heaven. What God starts, he finishes. Philippians 1 verse 6, I'm sure of this, Paul says, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Did you see it? If God is the one doing the work, he's the one who saved you. He's the one who will one day take you to heaven. And while you're living on earth where we are right now, he's the one making the growth happen. He's the creator. He's the catalyst. He's the completer. And he won't ever fail. I call this the security of sanctification. Listen, it's God's faithfulness. It doesn't depend on you. You can't do anything to earn it. Or else, what does the Bible say? We may boast if we had it, right? Your sanctification isn't secure because of you. It's because of God's faithfulness. He can't not do what he said he will do. 
That's the definition of faithfulness. He comes through over and over and over. Today, God is faithful. Tomorrow, he will be faithful. When you lose your job, he's faithful. When COVID hits, he's faithful. When it looks like there's no hope for your marriage, God is faithful. And when your spiritual storyline looks like a yo-yo on an elevator in an earthquake, God is faithful, church. He can't not be. The one who calls you to himself will complete you through himself. The one who calls you to himself, he will complete you through himself. Christian, if you've put your faith in Jesus' sacrificial death, his victorious resurrection, no one will ever be able to snatch you out of his hands. You will see Jesus in heaven one day. Paul says he will surely do it. He will surely do it. Jesus is coming back. So in this call to holiness, this journey of becoming more like Jesus, God is the source of sanctification. Return to that source. Find the source if you haven't. And God wants all of you. That's the scope of sanctification. Don't hold anything back. Is he worthy of every pulse of your being, your whole heart, soul, mind, strength, spirit, all of it? There's nothing else that's worthy except him, friend. And when you give your all to him, there's great security in knowing that he is faithful. The one who calls you to himself will complete you through himself. Jesus Christ is coming Again, maybe even today, let's live in light of his return. Are you ready? Are you ready? God, thank you for being the faithful one, for being the completer and the starter. Thanks that, Lord, it's ultimately not up to us. And yet we walk with you in this journey called sanctification. Thanks that you are the God of peace, the only one that can ever give our soul wholeness. Thanks, Lord, for the challenge to give us, to give you all of us all of me, everything I have, holding nothing back, Lord. I pray that that would be true of us. And Lord, that you are the one that secures our sanctification. No one can ever snatch us out of your hands. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Lord, for being the God who sanctifies. You are faithful. And we sing that together this morning in your name.